So um, I planted some grass seed this week along the church grounds here. You probably didn't notice, and that's why it's a sermon illustration today. <laughs> along the walkway there, as you come in, uh, there's kind of a bare patch where there's not, uh, not much grass. There used to be a tree there. We removed that a couple years ago, and the grass just never took. So I figured, you know, I'm going to be preaching on the parables. I should probably try my hand at sowing a little bit. So I went down to Kent to the, you know, the garden section there, and I got some good, like, Scott's grass seed that has, like, the fertilizer coating on it that's, like, supposed to be fail-proof, right? So I got that. I decided, you know what, I better go back and get a watering can just to make sure, like, everything is going to work. I go scatter some seed along there. I bought some topsoil, right, some grass topsoil to put along by the basketball net out there because, the, you know, the earth was a bit uneven. So I spread that around, sowed some seed over there, watered it. You know, it was, it was the week where, like, it was, like, 27 degrees, 28 degrees, like, that hot week, right? Worst week to plant grass. Anyway, so I'm coming at this parable of the seeds in the soil, or the parable of the, so- the sower, depending on, on how you've heard it. I-, I feel like with a bit of experience, you know. I know what it's like to, uh, you know, to plant seeds and it not work. <laughs> so that's where we're going to be this morning. This, this parable uh, of Jesus is in all three synoptic gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not in John. I'm going to le- read to you from the Luke account today. So it's in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start reading verses 4 through 8. You can follow along with me. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, this parable, if, if I was smart putting this parable series together, I should have put this one, like week one, introduction to the parables, because this is kind of the parable about the parables. This is one of the only parables where Jesus actually gives an explanation about what it means, and right between saying the parable and the explanation in the middle, he tells why he, he teaches parables. And so our first week, we touched on that a little bit. You remember Haley read part of that section explaining that there are some people with hardened hearts who are just out to get Jesus. And we kind of saw that in the video. And he spoke in parables so that they wouldn't kind of have the specific quotation they could bring up and say he's condemned for this. And he also taught in parables so that those who had ears to hear, who were listening, who had a heart to receive the kingdom, would be able to receive what he was teaching. But what I love about this week is Jesus, he gives us the explanation. Now, I know that last week was the parable of the prodigal sons and the compassionate father. And so, again, if I was good at planning, that would have been the Father's Day sermon, right? 
but today we're going to deal with what we have in front of us. Maybe the Spirit wants to say something today, regardless of how ideal planning could have been. This parable, as we read it, is an invitation for us to reflect. Reflect on what kind of soil are we? It's an invitation for us to reflect, do we have ears to hear the message of the kingdom? It is meant to make us reflect. It is meant to make us go inward and to think. We're to chew on this one. And so in light of that, my prayer this morning, God, is that you would give us ears to hear. That whatever distractions are in our way, whatever hard-heartedness we might have, that would keep us from receiving the seed of your word this morning, or would you give us good soil that we might receive the word and that it would bear fruit in us. Amen. This morning as we get going, I want us to remember the purpose of these parables. The purpose is that our hearts, if receptive to the kingdom of God, would hear, would reflect, and we'd understand and follow. And so that those of us who have hardened hearts, who are just trying to get Jesus in his words, who are just trying to trip him up, would not be able to pin him down in his motives. And I think that's why Jesus, in explaining what this parable means, we read that he only explained it to his disciples. He was surrounded by a whole crowd of people. He's surrounded by people from all the towns that he was teaching and healing at. Like they were coming out of the towns into the countryside as he was going from town to town, and there was this massive crowd of people coming around him. Poor people, sick people, religious people, people who were allowed in the temple because they were the holy, holy enough, people who were not, and they couldn't get in. They were all coming around Jesus. But... In light of the purpose of this parable, Jesus turns to his disciples to explain this is what this parable means. So we're going to dive into Jesus' explanation of the parable of the soil and seeds this morning. First off, we want to understand what he means by the seed, right? That there's a farmer that goes out and he's sowing seeds in the field. Now, of the three Gospels that explain this, they each kind of have their own unique take on, on how they record Jesus' words about this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke uniquely. So in Matthew, Jesus explains that the seed is the message about the kingdom. In, in the Gospel of Mark, we read that the, the, the seed is the word. In Luke, he goes a bit more specific, the word of God. So we might understand this parable as a parable explaining that the farmer sowing seed is like God who is announcing and starting his kingdom through Jesus. Now, if you are you know, as experienced in sowing seed as I am, you may look at this parable and you might say, this farmer has no idea what he's doing. And, and I think that's maybe a good question for us to ask. Like, if you are a good farmer, you're going to go a step further than I did, and you're going to till up the soil that you're going to plant your grass in, right? To make sure it's not hardened over and that the seeds can actually get into the soil and there's moisture and all those things, that I skip those steps 
because I'm efficient. But I think we, we might throw the accusation of, so is God just a bad farmer in this? Like, and, and I think that's reading too much into the parable. But maybe we could see that the sower's indiscriminate sowing of the seed on all kinds of soil may, might reflect the heart of the Father to see all kinds of people respond regardless of where they're at, regardless of their stage of life, regardless of where their heart is at the moment, God wants to sow the seed. His word is going out. And we need to keep that heart of the Father in mind. The same message heard by a bunch of different people is going to be received differently, just based on their stage of life, on the situations they're going through, their past church and faith experience, all kinds of things. The same word is going to land differently. And the problem isn't so much in the seed, or maybe even in the sower in this situation, but it's in the quality of the soil. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Listen, I doubt there was anything wrong with my fertilizer-coated Scott's grass seed that I got. It was recommended by the lady at Kent, okay? But the soil that I was planting in was very different and brought different uh, different outcomes. So let's look at the soils mentioned in this parable and what Jesus says about each one. I kind of have this up, a simple outline on the screen here. He explains the soil that lands along the path as one where, you know, it's trampled on and then birds come and they take away the seeds. They eat it up before there's any chance of it ever germinating or getting into the soil. And he explains that the seed that is sown along the path, Satan comes and takes away the word. And, and I think this is important for us, especially as like trying to be rationally thinking 21st century Western people, that, that there is actually a work of the enemy that is taking place. Like, like sometimes we discount that as like, oh, that's like fairy tales, or that's how people in the Middle Ages or in ancient times thought. But I think Jesus is confronting us here in his explanation of this parable that there is an enemy who is actively trying to keep the word from taking root in people's lives. And we need to keep that in mind. As weird as that is, as much as we don't like to talk about demons or the devil or things like that, that there is an enemy who is trying to keep the seed from taking root. He is actively at work that way. Luke in his telling of this, he says that the enemy comes and takes away the seed so they may not believe and be saved. Satan does not want to see people come to the knowledge of Christ, doesn't want to see the word take root in people's lives and for fruit to grow. He wants to take that away as soon as possible. Matthew talks about these people as those who hear, but they don't understand. So the word comes, but but it's not sink in, and so it's so easy for the enemy just to take it up. And listen, maybe you've grown up in church, and you've like heard all the stories, and they just don't sink in anymore. right? Oh yeah, I know that. The parable of the sower, I've heard it a million times. Tyler, this is the 500th sermon I've heard about it. It just doesn't sink in. And when we are not there listening in a way where, where we are willing to take it in, to understand it, to receive it, and it just stays on the surface, that's where the enemy can just take it 
and there's no chance of it even affecting us or our lives. This is why this sowing of seed, this spreading the news of the kingdom is a spiritual battle. Because there's an adversary trying to take away the seed that is sown. This is why we have prayer teams for the waterfront. This is why when we're going down there in the month of July, I would love for us to have teams of people praying for those who are coming. Praying that, like, even though we have no idea who is going to show up, to pray against the work of the enemy who's going to try to take away the seed of the good news that might be sown during those services. This is why we, we need to remember, in, in the words of Paul, that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, that people aren't our enemy, but there are rulers and authorities and spiritual powers in the dark world and forces in the, of evil in the heavenly realms that are against the work of God. And so the best way for us to fight against that is on our knees. Praying against the work of the enemy who's going to come and try to take away that seed. The seed that falls along the path, Satan takes away the word before it takes root. We also read about the seed that falls along rocky ground. And Jesus explains this in saying that, that the, the seeds, they spread out quickly. But, but the, the ground is rocky, and, and there's no roots that grow deep to collect the moisture. And so as quick as it, it sprouts up with excitement and joy to hear of the good news of the kingdom, the minute, uh, uh, the minute that there is any confrontation, the minute that there is, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The minute that... that there is confrontation, an adversary that comes against what is being said, they wither. The minute that... I'm looking for a word. I can't find it. That's on the tip of my tongue. It's conflict. Resistance. That's good. Good word. Resistance. The minute that there is resistance, thank you, the seed withers. Read Jesus' words here. This is from Luke. Those on the rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The minute that there is resistance and testing, and there are no roots, the plant withers plant dies. This is, this is us when there is an initial enthusiasm about what is going on. When we first hear a, a, a new take on, on the stories that we've heard for years and it, it sinks into us and we're excited about it and we want to be a part of what God's doing, but no roots come down. Maybe it's we've, we've discovered a church that, that maybe is, is more engaging than where we grew up. Or we found a preacher on YouTube who communicates things in a way that makes sense to me, but we never grow deep roots. And we are in a time of testing and a time of falling away in our weird cultural moment that we're in. I can't tell you how many friends 
I have, who have grown up in the faith, who, who have shown great excitement, who went to Bible college with me. But in this time that we are in where Christianity is more and more unpopular in the public sphere, that public opinion of people of faith is decreasing rapidly, the plant withers pretty quick when there's no roots. We are in a time, and, and many of you who are of generations older than I have seen this more starkly, where we've gone from a time where it is socially advantageous to be a person of faith. Where if you were a church-going person, you were seen as moral. And it made sense for you to be part of a community where you were seen as, as a good person. Regardless of whether you had a, a deep faith or not, going to church is what you did and was part of, of, of cultural expectation. But we're in a time now where it is no longer socially advantageous to be part of a community of faith. Christianity has gone from being, oh, that's, that's kind of a weird thing to a wrong thing. We are now a, a, a moral minority of people who hold to beliefs about the world and about morality or how to live our lives following Jesus that is a minority or that is looked down upon by the world around us. And listen, this month, like, it is Pride Month. There's been new revelations about, uh, about residential schools that has brought to light some horrendous things that the church has done. Like, we are in, in a month right now where there is increased, uh, decreased understanding of why people would believe and follow Jesus and the kind of life that Jesus calls us to because it is so contrary to the culture around us. There are person after person who confronted with why has the church uh, treated people in the LGBTQ community the way they have, like, like animals rather than human beings, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with them? Or how could the church have treated indigenous people this way and they're deconstructing their faith from the ground up because of these things? And understandably so in a lot of ways. Like, I really empathize with that. There is a huge amount of deconstruction of faith that is taking place. And there are things in our faith that need to be deconstructed. There are poor readings of Scripture. There are, are ways of treating Christianity like it is the white man's colonial religion that needs to be dismissed and thrown away and, and sent into the fires of hell for what it was. But the message of the kingdom is good news for all kinds of people. The problem is, we have an enthusiasm about it, but if we don't have those deep roots, when resistance comes, we'll fall away. When we realize that none of our friends agree with us about something, we'll fall away. I'm reading a, a, a I'm listening to an audio book right now. The guy named A.J. Soboda, and it's called After Deconstruction, and it's exploring this whole reality of, of how millennials especially are just dropping away from the faith like crazy. And, and he uses this illustration of 
What we need right now is not to go back to the 1950s where everyone claimed to be a Christian. That is not where deep roots grow. In fact, many have left the faith because it was just easy to be a Christian then. We are in a unique time right now where the resistance is there and that's how we grow deep roots. A.J. Sobota uses this illustration of there was a biodome where there was, there was a whole bunch of plant life brought from around the world into this kind of indoor biodome where it was going to be a climate for all these trees and plants to grow and to flourish so that they could you know, be preserved for generations and generations to come. But what they found is none of the trees would stay standing. When they kind of cultivated these trees and then they, they would transplant them elsewhere, they would all just collapse because they grew up indoors. There was no wind. There was no resistance ever on the trees, and so they never had to grow deep roots. We are in a unique cultural moment where we need deep roots. There is resistance. And if we are, are growing up on rocky soil and not putting down roots, it is going to be hard for us to stay on track and follow the way of Jesus. If we didn't have the resistance, it would be hard for roots to grow deep. We are in a time where we need that. There were seeds sown among thorns. Jesus said that seed was choked, up, choked out by the thorns as they grew up around it. What he is talking about here is the reality that there are all kinds of desires or concerns or worries of life that just come and choke out our passion for the kingdom. We are in a, in a time today where we are more distracted and there are more things vying for our attention than ever before. The, the CEO of, of Netflix said that our main competition isn't Amazon Prime or Disney Plus or whatever. Our main competition is sleep. To fight for the attention of people. There are all kinds of things pulling at our attention, inviting us to pledge our allegiance there, rather than to the kingdom, the seed that is to grow up in us. Those are things from the outside world, things like, like the ads and images that are constantly on our news feed or, uh, or, or that are, are, are constantly trying to sell us something, sell us an image, sell us a, a way of life, sell us a, a picture of success that, that is going to grow up along the seed and is going to choke it out because we're going to pursue that instead. And it's playing on even the desires within us, desires for, for sex, desires of, of greed and wealth, desires to be liked by everyone. They're going to grow up around the seed and choke it out. Life is busy. Life is very busy. You ask someone how they're doing, they'll say, oh yeah, I'm good, or I'm busy. Those are the two stock responses, right? We are constantly making choices in our lives that are either helping or crowding the cultivation of our walk with Jesus. We might be crowding out Jesus from our life. A fuller plate 
doesn't mean a fuller life. I remember this moment when I was probably, mm, I was in high school, so 15, 16 or so. I remember it was like in the phase where like in fashion we would wear t-shirts on top of like long sleeve. You know what I mean? Remember that? All right. 15, 16. And I remember going to church one Sunday and um, it was at a Pentecostal church. After the sermon, there was this altar call. And I remember going forward for the altar call. And a mentor of mine came to pray with me. And he was asking me, like, what was going on? And, and I told him, like, you know, I'm, I'm involved with, like, with football and all my friends and my girlfriend and all this stuff. And I feel like, like they're all pulling me away from Jesus. I have all these things going on that are all pulling me in different directions away from Jesus. I remember his, his like wise advice wasn't like, you need to quit football, not have any friends, and like never date anybody. And you just have to go to church all the time. That wasn't his advice. And, and I think if you mishear me if you think that I need you to quit everything and show up at the church every time it's open. It's not what this is about. His advice to me is, all of those things don't have to be things that pull you away from Jesus if you were seeking to follow Jesus in them. In how I am a part of my football team and the four practices a week. If I'm seeking to follow Jesus in the midst of football practice. If I'm seeking to follow Jesus in how I get along with my friends and how I, I joke with them and the things that I do with them. If I'm seeking to follow Jesus, that's not going to be something that pulls me away. I'm seeking to follow Jesus in my relationships. Then it's not going to be something that, that pulls me away, that pulls me away from being able to be at church or whenever. No, in fact, that becomes the place where my faith in Jesus gets played out. There are things that are going to be crowding at our lives. Things that may be pulling us away, and maybe we need to think about, am I following Jesus in, in the midst of that? Some seed lands on the good soil. Jesus says that perseverance, or the, these persevere to produce good crop. I have another kind of highlight, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, how they uniquely talk about this. Matthew says this good soil is someone who hears the word and understands it. As opposed to, remember when the seed was taken away, those who hear it and they do not understand, and so it's taken away. Mark says others, like the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Luke says the good soil is those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I think what Jesus is getting at as we kind of look at each of these three accounts is that the good soil is those who hear the word, and we do something with it. We seek to understand it. We, we seek to, to retain it, to, to accept what is said, to persevere in it. Not just those who, okay, we hear it and we pass off with it. It's not just hearing something good on Sunday and then we walk out the doors and never think about it again. 
What are we doing with what we hear? Now, you may be listening and say, okay, well, reflecting on this parable, I see myself as, you know, rocky soil or thorny soil or, like, I don't see myself in the good soil right now. So what am I supposed to do? Am I just kind of, like, left to my own of, all right, you're the rocky soil, you're going to fall away, you have no roots. See ya. How do I get to a place where I'm good soil? The farmer is always sowing. How do we be receptive to the word? I think the big thing for us to kind of reflect on and see what it means for us is maybe we need to till some soil and remove some thorns. Maybe we're in some rocky soil, kind of like along the path out there, that I just need to kind of take a garden rake to and shake it up a little bit. So not just kind of sprinkle the seed as a little add-on, but it needs to be something that actually goes deep. That I'm going to need to reorient things if I want this word to take root. Following Christ and receiving this word, it is a deep below the surface thing. It is not just a, uh, this nice veneer of, of Christianity that we put on the surface, but it is a seed that takes root deep in us. And so we need to do some deep tilling to maybe pull out some of those rocks to grow deep roots for us, is going to mean radically recentering who we are around the life and person of Jesus. Where he becomes the anchor point. He becomes where I go when I'm in need. He becomes the one that I turn to. He becomes the one whose opinion I'm concerned of more than anyone else's. We need to till up some soil turn some things upside down to go beyond the surface. We need to be in a place where we are preparing our hearts to receive. And I don't want to like step on any... I might need to step on toes. We need to prepare our hearts for Sunday and, and how we come to church. Like... I know that Sunday mornings are chaotic with little kids. But if I am coming in here expecting to hear a word from God and for it to take root in my life, and I am not in a place where I'm, I'm asking God for that, where I'm putting myself in a posture to receive, then no wonder the soil is hard and the seed doesn't take root. If I am waking up on Sunday morning and my first hour is spent scrolling my news feeds, like no wonder I am thinking about that on Sunday morning rather than receiving the word. If I am late, uh, up late on, on Saturday night watching bloody slasher flicks, that's where my mind is going to be Sunday morning. I'm going to struggle to focus 
There's going to be all kinds of images in my mind that are going to keep me from receiving the Word. We need to prepare the soil of our hearts. Some of that is on us. We need to remove thorns. There may be things that you are into or involved in or are taking time in your life which you might know, yeah, this, this, is, this is a thorn I'm letting grow up along the seed that's going to choke it out. And again, hear me say, don't just quit everything and show up at the church all the time. That's weird. But there might be things that, that we have like overcommitted. Or we're choosing to spend our time in ways where I'm just filling up my time so that what is important is not actually getting the attention. You ever hear that illustration of like a bucket? You've got these big rocks, right, that you need. And, and if you put, you've got rocks that are the important thing and sand that is like the filler stuff. If you fill the bucket with sand and try to put the rocks in, the rocks aren't going to fit. But when we put the rocks in first and then pour the sand, the sand fills in around it and, and we make sure that everything gets in. In our day, in our time, in our weeks, are we making sure there's time for the important things, the cultivation of our walk with Christ? If for you that looks like you have a, a morning time in the Word, then that means that staying up till 2 watching Netflix isn't the best way to cultivate that time in the morning. I'm guilty of this as much as anyone else. Maybe for you, it is repurposing the things that you are involved in. Like me, who in high school, yeah, football, friends, relationships. Not necessarily things that, that need to be things that pull me away from Jesus, but maybe I need to figure out what it looks like to be faithful to Jesus in my workplace rather than seeing my work as a thing that pulls me away from Jesus? What does it look like to live out the life and ethics of Jesus in how I go about my work? In how I'm dating? In how I, I spend my money? Or in how I, I invest? Does Jesus inform that part of my life? Because if Jesus isn't a part of that area of your life, it is going to be something that pulls you away. We need to remember the farmer continues to sow the seed. The word continues to go forth and to be scattered. And you may be at a place where your soil is a bit rocky right now. But maybe there's, there's, there's something going on. And, and the Spirit is pointing some things out to you, and, and, and you know there's going to be some tilling that goes on this week. And maybe things land differently later. And you read Scripture and the Word takes root in the farmer is going to continue to sow. So regardless of where we are this morning, regardless of what last night looked like, and our soil might be a bit rocky right now, the farmer is going to continue to sow. 
might we be people who grow to be receptive? Might we be people who are gracious? Because not everyone is going to be good soil all the time. And may we be people who, following after the good farmer, continue to sow the seed for him. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that your word would not return void. I pray against the work of the enemy who is trying to steal away the seed. I pray, Lord, for deep roots. For when we hear of you, that we would be those who accept it and understand and persevere. Now, for many of us, we, we're identifying the, the spaces where thorns and rocky soil are, are keeping growth from really happening. Spirit, would you graciously, lovingly convict us of that? Would you show us where we can be about the work of tilling that soil so that we would be receptive, so that your word can take deep root in us? Father, thank you that you continue to plant. You're, you're going to come around for round two, there's going to be more seed that's scattered. Lord, we pray that we would be receptive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.